Let's talk about this week's topic. And I am, of course, talking about Peacemaker versus Hawkeye. So I thought we'd talk about Peacemaker first. (laughs) Peacemaker is the series on HBO Max spinning out of The Suicide Squad, starring John Cena as Chris Smith, the peacemaker and the only picture I could find of any of the other cast members was this one, um, which is very frustrating that Warner brothers and HBO max has have made it so hard to find promo images. But um, this is the backup team, including in the background there, uh, vigilante wielding a chainsaw. So Debartee. I will let you share your thoughts first. What did you think of Peacemaker? You know, okay, so that is such a general question that I have, like, a hard time answering. Like, what do you think about it? Because my, I just want to be like, oh, it was okay. And, like, that's it. So, like, I, I have a hard time with that question. But I can – it was weird. It was weird. Not what I was expecting. It was <laughs> – Why was it weird? Because it was – well, first of all, John Cena. No, wasn't expecting him in a role like that. Um, but it was more did, like... Did you see the Suicide Squad movie? I did, but I don't remember him in that. Okay, so there was Suicide Squad first, and there was The Suicide Squad, which was like oh. a sequel. That, yeah, that's... the second one. It was really violent. I don't remember John Cena in it. Oh, I know. He was like I know. one of the main characters. And how <laughs> can you forget the toilet bowl on the head? I guess I wasn't impressed. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Movie. I wasn't I impressed. I don't remember it. <laughs> but I mean, the sense it's a really dry sense of humor, and like it had funny moments. But it just wasn't for me. And it was a lot of language that I didn't care for a whole lot. So there's that. And the storyline was weird. Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I watched it over the course of three days. Craley, what did you think of Peacemaker? I am weird. It's weird. I am glad that I gave it as much of a chance as I did. My husband and I have a three episode rule because pilots can be really rough. And I watched the first episode and I was like, this is not funny. Like this was billed to me as a violent comedy and I don't find this funny. And then by the second episode after the cast had some time to mesh and they could like establish the type of humor everybody has, like it was hilarious. Um, I really like really extreme shows that have like, contrasting themes i'm an editor also so i like to get kind of meta about 
like scripted content. And so the, um, the dry sense of humor that was very ridiculous up against the other really, really dark themes. Like it's one thing for a comic book or a superhero movie to have an anti-hero who's like, yeah, I was trained to kill from the time I was a child. My dad messed me up. Like that's a trope we've heard a bunch. But in Peacemaker, you see it happen on the screen when he's a little boy. And it's that's so different. Like you don't normally see that part. It just gets referenced later. And so the fact that they were able to still make the show funny at all while having content and scenes like that that are not just visually graphic, but like emotionally hard to sit through, I was really impressed with. So like. So I didn't think this was a comedy at all. I it was it was sold as a comedy. I thought it had funny moments because, you know, we're dealing with idiotic humans. Because let's face it, Chris Smith was a little bit of a bonehead. He was a little bit of an idiot. And Vigilante was a total moron. Skilled, great fighter. And he was the one I thought was funny. (laughs) He, He was funny. But he was basically DC's version of Deadpool, right? That yeah, was the well, role like he Deadpool was. Too, so. Well, but I didn't think it was a comedy at all. Yeah. I thought it was a a drama because the themes were so dark. the The whole thing about you know the peacemaker character growing up abused, at least verbally and emotionally, by his father, maybe physically. And being so damaged that he can't create relationships with anybody. In that final scene, Debarty, where he's sitting at the trailer park by himself, that basically speaks to the entire character that he is going to end up living his life alone with only the ghosts of his past, the memories of his tragic past that was not funny that was that was heartbreaking and i thought peacemaker's entire story arc was was really heartbreaking and uh, i didn't find it to be a comedy at all and d you've known me long enough to know i do not like gratuitous vulgarity or sex i don't mind it if it moves the story along, but I found myself cringing a lot at the language in the show mm-hmm. and thinking to myself, this does not make this show better. And I, I was thinking to myself, I don't know anybody who uses this much vulgarity and who talks that way. I, am I alone in that? No. Oh my goodness. Um, in the first episode, when the guy who you find out later is vigilante gets caught talking to himself by one of the other waiters at his work and the things that he says casually, like it's one thing if the vulgarity is being used because the circumstances are extreme, but this is just, oh, I needed to cover for a slightly awkward moment where I was caught talking to myself and the things that he says after that, like I won't even repeat them. 
And that was in a casual moment of the show. It's not like somebody was attacking him and he's cussing at his attacker or something. Like I was not, I was not comfortable with that. And I'm not bothered by vulgarity in and of itself. It's just the way that it was so. Well, now you know why it's on HBO Max. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, situational vulgarity where it actually makes sense to the story. You know, I can deal with that. I can deal with the F-bomb being dropped, you know, in extreme circumstances or whatnot. But they're they're throwing around, you know, references to (laughs) reproductive functions like it's just casual conversation at the dinner table. And that just, I don't know, that just didn't vibe well with me. Same. I thought it was weird. Now, we have some comments. Okay, so we're going to go to some viewer comments. And so, uh, first of all, Kelly says, Eee, Clea. We know it's Kelly because I'm here. Yes. (laughs) Kelly, you should actually be on camera with us. You could join in if you'd like. Um, And Drew Milden says about Peacemaker, it's amazing. And Ryan Permission says, hey there, friends and foes. How are you? We're doing great. Um, See, and Drew thinks that Peacemaker is hilarious. But Ryan is not a John Cena fan. He says, John (laughs) Cena is a wrestler, not an actor to me. Now, here's the thing. I thought he did a phenomenal job of playing the the tragic character that he was. I felt every bit of that from John Cena. Did did you guys feel the weight of his character? I don't know. It's John Cena. I couldn't really. See, I forgot I was watching John Cena. Yeah, I, I did too. Like I was surprised after the first couple episodes how the John Cena persona I know melted away a little. I mean, I think this was a good character for John Cena because it's over the top. And so is John Cena. So I think that helped some. But like after episode two or three, I was able to feel Chris Smith's personality more than than John Cena's. It took me a little while, though. It took me. Yeah, I think I think I was firmly sold by the second episode. Yeah, Um, I couldn't get past it. Not at all. Not even a little. Interesting. Well, Ryan Permisson says, not a James Gunn fan, so no thank you. So here's the thing with James Gunn. Um, James Gunn likes creating stories that are ridiculous and and over-the-top ridiculous. Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad, and this was no exception. You know, think about this. Um, In the... Second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, the villain was a living planet. A living planet. In the Suicide Squad, the villain is a giant star starfish that takes control of people's minds with baby starfish. That's ridiculous. Of course, longtime fans of the DC Universe know that Starro is like a major threat in the DC universe. But when you see it on screen, you realize just how ridiculous it really is. Um, And then, and then in this, the threat are alien 
praying mantis butterflies and a <laughs> giant alien cow that is being milked for basically honey for them to that survive. Looking at the cow was really gross. So if you if you're not into the over the top ridiculousness of James Gunn, it could be a very hard show to get into. And and he did carry over that ridiculousness with you know the the character of Vigilante being such a callous casual killer. Um and but I did love, you know who my favorite character was? Who? Eagly. Yes. I love that eagle. But I have a question for you guys and for the audience. The final fight at the barn when they're going in to you know kill the cow. Where is Eagly? Every other scene when there's a fight, he's swooping in, pecking out eyes and knocking people over and you know taking them out. In this one, he just flies off. What the heck? Maybe he's embarrassed because he dropped the helmet in the wrong place. He's just like, well, I messed up. Good luck. <laughs> that, that that drove me nuts. That that drove me crazy that uh, Eagly didn't even show up to help out Peacemaker in the final scene. <clears throat> but the, he was there. The eagle was walking along when they, when the Justice League showed up. Spoiler alert. Maybe he went to go get the Justice League. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's true. Headcanon accepted. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, did, did Amanda Waller know where to send the Justice League? Did uh, her daughter tell them, tell her any coordinates? I don't know. I didn't see that on camera. So we're going to say eagerly flew up found Superman floating around and they, they he brought, led the Justice League to the barn, but got there too late. D, can you buy that? Sure, yeah. But see, they're, they're in. I, I had a real problem with the way they treated Aquaman in this show. They made Aquaman a joke again. I don't like that. This I don't like that either but i was able to accept it on the basis that like these people are kind of jerks there was not one likable character was there well maybe maybe john uh economist economos whatever the the bearded guy die beard guy he was kind of likable did did you guys think Yes? No? I think by the end of it, he was kind of likable. He was kind of a squish to begin with. It was like, okay, you're cool working for the, all these shady people, but like when it's time to get your hands dirty, you like panic about it. And then he has sort of like an arc where he realizes he can't like he needs to get in the thick of it. And that was likable. Well, that whole scene when he was pretending, you know, pretending to be one of the butterflies and the uh, the cop is asking him those questions about, you know, why, why did your host do that to his beard? And he had to be honest. That was, I, I felt that. I was like, he's one of us. The, the, not you, D. Barty, because you've always been beautiful and popular, but 
Uh, apparently, I'm not beautiful and popular. <laughs> Crayley, Vanessa, you have a, a shelf just of comic books and graphic novels. You, you, you are one of us. You are one of the geeks, and I know that you felt some of that growing mm-hmm. up, right? And and I just I just felt like he was the only likable character, but I don't know. Let's see. We have a few other uh, comments here. Um, speaking of John Cena, my word, he is a comedy actor. I see. I didn't think he 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 said things that were funny. He did things that were funny, but his character was really tragic. And I really felt like this was a drama. Last time I saw Cena was in the Marine. Okay. And David McDonald says, Peacemaker was definitely a lot better than I expected. And it was better than I expected. I did find myself enjoying it for what it was, but I don't know. I had problems with it. Um, so Andrew Milden says, catch Cena in blockers. Ryan is having an argument now with him. I'd rather (laughs) watch Cena in 12 rounds, um, or catch Cena in vacation friends as well. Right. So that's the kind of acting I'm used to seeing him do, or he plays the big dumb galoot in, I I can't remember that movie. It had a Amy, uh, anyway. So this was this was definitely new for me. Well, see, and and Drew says that I am alone in this when when I'm talking about vulgarity and how I don't know people who use that level of casual vulgarity. Now, Kelly is commenting here that I haven't seen Pace, Peacemaker, so I can't comment on it. But I work in a construction office. And vulgar language is pretty common there, so it depends on the people. I think, though, Kelly, when you watch this, I, I think you're going to see what I mean. I, I understand people using coarse language. I work for a guy who is a CEO that, you know, he's got a... Yeah, Kelly, yeah. this was a whole other... Yeah, this was a whole, a whole other new level. level. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not offended by the F word, even in casual conversation in my social circles, but the way it wasn't just the words they used. It was the combination, like the sentences they put together with the added vulgar language. Like some of their conversations were just gross, but like casually gross. And, and I just don't know any, even, even in the workplace that they were in, I don't, I don't know that any workplace that that would be acceptable. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Kelly has no makeup and is in PJs, not so cute PJs laughing out loud. Well, we miss you, Kelly. We would love to have you anyway. I think um, all of Kelly's PJs are cute PJs cause Kelly's so cute. This is the <laughs> truth. This is the truth. Um, Andrew says eagerly gave him a hug. Do you believe in miracles? I loved both those moments. I I love Eagly. I need an Eagly action figure. 
also both of those mom- moments were two of those um narrative contrasts that I really love. The first time he's the only person who recognizes how awesome it is. His dad is casually dismissive. He won't take a picture of it. He walks away. Autobio sees it and thinks it's a sign. Like it changes her life. Like it helps her inform a decision that changes her life from that moment on from when she sees eagerly hug peacemaker. Right. And it's one of those, one of those narrative contrasts. That's like one of my favorite narrative tools is serious contrast. Now, did anyone else find it? Um, and, and it was intentionally. So peacemaker's father, the white dragon, did anyone find that so offensive that it was uncomfortable? That character was so offensive that it made, yes, we were supposed to hate him, but at the same time, I, I, oh, I don't know. I felt so weird with some of the things that came out of that character's mouth. I can't imagine how the actor had to like get into that. Do you guys know well, what I'm talking about? Like- he plays a lot of bad characters anyway, so, you know. But Yeah, but this guy was really bad. Yeah. The, no, he's the one that, like, the... like, normally you can kind of relate to a bad character, I feel like. You kind of be like, oh, I kind of understand why you want to go around and be an axe murderer. Oh, you know. Yeah, there's none of that for the White Dragon character. Mm-mm. I mean, I was expecting him to get his... And so I was like, as far as a character that we're supposed to hate, like, I don't feel unable to, like, watch this show. Even in a villain, though, it was, like, the level of darkness this show went to was just... Yeah. Like, again, for something that was billed to me as a comedy. (laughs) Yeah. David McDonald says, I still can't believe they didn't say holy cow at any point. He was so mad about that. Like the end of the episode, there's this sad, poignant moment. And he's like, they never said, holy cow. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Missed opportunity. Because that was a holy cow. It was like part of their religion almost. Um, Now, Drew says this is one of the best DC live shows of all time, which isn't saying much, Drew, because I disagree. Stargirl is one of the best DC live shows of all time. So I have not watched season two of Stargirl yet. I haven't seen season two yet. We're rewatching season one because I had a friend who needed to catch up. But season one is maybe the best comic book to television adaptation of any story I've ever seen. And it was like reading an old school Jeff Johns, Mark Wade comic series. It was spectacular. Um, Superman and Lois season one was phenomenal. I'm in the middle of season two. So I, you know, I, I enjoyed Superman and Lois. I, more than I enjoyed Peacemaker. Because that's the kind of story I want to see in a comic book hero. D, do you watch any of the other shows on CW? I couldn't get into it. I tried. And as much as I love Superman, I tried and I tried. I just, 
I can get into it. I haven't watched Superman and Lois yet. I'm going to at some point. I'm, I'm I going. have it all recorded. Like, like I like I tried. I tried to try to try to try. The Arrowverse is what got me into cosplay. So the CW shows are near and dear to me, even if I don't like the choices that they made for a lot of character arcs as the, the Arrowverse developed. But the first two seasons of Arrow introduced me to a lot of other really important parts of the geeky community. And I'll always be grateful for that. David hey, thinks you're got, beautiful, Crayley. I got I a story so. for you about that. You were talking about like inner geek, right? Okay. So I started watching, this was like a year or so ago. I started watching This Is Us, right? And I'm, I'm watching it and I'm going, okay, the guy that plays Kevin, I know he is Green Arrow. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Or just Arrow, whatever. Um, so I like go look it up and I'm like, Arrow. And I'm like, that's not Arrow. I'm like, what the heck is happening? I know. I know he is Arrow somewhere. Turns out he he played Arrow on Smallville. So I recognized that he was Green Arrow from somewhere. And I was proud of myself. <laughs> Kelly's celebrity crush, Justin Hartley. Sorry. And you know what? He was Kelly. a great Oliver Queen on Smallville. Yes. I, I thought he was so much better than Stephen Amell. No offense to the Stephen Amell fans, but I thought as Oliver Queen, Smallville's Green Arrow was better. They gave him a better adaptation to work with, though. Like, that's not Stephen Amell's fault. Stephen Amell is super talented. He's a super nice guy also, which makes me like his work more. But the um, the, the adaptation for Arrow was odd. They took a Batman feel to it way too yeah. much yeah in most people's opinion yeah no i can see that so kelly says yeah crayley and you have similar comfort levels so i get get it i also hate language and sex violence being used in entertainment for shock value and that's how i felt this was it was just for shock value those things are better in small doses and so when you finally watch it kelly i think you'll understand what we're talking about um, and Kelly says using them all too much means they lose the dramatic effect. Exactly. And Drew says, I retract that statement and put Smallville as number one. I am going to go right there with you. Smallville is the best DC television show. It launched the DC EU and I love Smallville. I Somebody love Smallville too. Somebody say Yes. Well, last last thoughts about uh, Peacemaker. I really love, I just completely forgot her name. The blonde Harcourt. woman. Harcourt. There we go. I really love that um, they show off her muscles, like especially in the opening dance scene, which was amazing, by the way. Super entertaining. <laughs> we watched it every time. But like, she's got that, that bicep line that I feel like a lot of um, Hollywood casting type people don't like to emphasize in women. And like, I don't know. I just, I thought that was beautiful. I was like always looking at her arms. I was just really happy that they had a strong woman look strong. 
I mean, maybe I'm biased in this because I used to power lift. Right. That's not right. I'm in terrible shape now. But um the the line right there, it only shows up when you tense or tighten it up. And I don't have mine anymore. Goals. How do they do that? What is the pose? That's uh, for the one where it really shows in the um in the theme song, her arms when she does this, you can just see the line right there. It's it's beautiful. Next next time, if you rewatch an episode, next time they do the dance, look at Harcourt's arms. They're beautiful. That's so like uncoordinated and clumsy. See, I I'm a leg guy, so I was admiring her legs, even in the really black nice spandex. She looked too. phenomenal. Yeah. All right. Any other last comments about Peacemaker DBRT? Nope. Let's talk about the show that you loved. Marvel's Hawkeye on Disney+. Plus. Um, of course, it tells the story of Clint Barton as he meets uh, Kate Bishop who has been idolizing him since she was a little girl because he saved her life from the uh, Chitauri invasion. And she has modeled her entire life and career after him and become, as she repeatedly tells us, some people say I'm the best archer in the world. And throughout the series, we meet some other uh, ancillary characters, but my favorite relationship in this show was between Yelena, the White Widow, and Kate Bishop Hawkeye. And this scene, ladies, was my favorite scene of the entire show. Yes. I think. <laughs> it was also it, my favorite. It was brilliant. And the, the chemistry that they had together was, it, it was unreal. Wait, I, wait, I, stop making me like you. <laughs> I know. I know. And and I she was speaking for the audience because she was so dang likable, even though she was there to kill Clint Barton. And uh, after I watched this series, did anybody else have to go back and watch the Black Widow movie? Yep. Did it, in your opinion, make Black Widow a better movie? It did, actually. It really did. Um, because when I watched Black Widow, my third time, my husband's first time, the whole time I'm going, I feel like it's really important to know for the backstory. They're trying to like develop even more for Natasha from before she was dead. Was Yelena gone in the blip or not? And this answers that very clearly. And I'm like, okay, so a lot of people feel like Natasha was fridged. And I didn't feel like that even in the Avengers, but I understand why some people did. But it makes even more sense. She's like, we have to bring everybody back. That one of the people she wants to bring back, one of the reasons she wants to make sacrifices to bring her sister back. Like. Yeah, and and the the final scene with Yelena and Val um lines up, you know, where uh where Hawkeye takes place right after that, because she's obviously sent. Hired by the kingpin, Val hires, or not the kingpin, by um, Bishop's mom. Mm -hmm. Hires Val, 
to send one of her Thunderbolt contract killers. Yes, I said the word to kill Hawkeye. And um, I just thought this series made Black Widow a better movie. But Debarty, I want to know what it was that you loved about this Hawkeye series. Okay, first of all, I haven't seen Black Widow. <laughs> you should. Spoiler alert. Really good. I mean, I do feel that this made it better, but like, I mean, no spoilers. I'm good. not worried about that. I'm just saying, like, I just still haven't seen. Black well, Black now that you now that you loved Hawkeye, go watch Black Widow. Yeah, because there are some things that they talk about in the Hawkeye series that you don't really understand unless you see the Black Widow movie and see Avengers Endgame. Well, I saw Endgame, so I gathered. I knew the the uh, yeah, <laughs> her falling off the cliff or sacrificing. Like I knew all that. Um, so here's the thing: like I'm not a huge Avengers fan. Like, I, I like Avengers, but I'm not a huge Avengers. I'm more like Superman, and I like X-Men. And so for me to actually sit down and watch Hawkeye was a pretty big deal, because I was like, yeah, it's another Avenger, you know. And I loved it. And I don't know. I can kind of relate to it. And you're going to laugh. You're so going to laugh. But I've always had this secret desire to be a ninja. And so... <laughs> Yeah, even as a kid, I was like, I want to be a ninja. And so, like, watching <laughs> her with her archery, and I'm like, oh, I could do that. Not really. But I, I'm like, I don't know. They just sparked something in me. And the way that the chemistry of all the characters, and I mean, it was, it was clean <laughs> as far as not like Peacemaker. So... I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the storyline. It kept my attention. I could understand it. <laughs> for those of you who haven't watched our show before, that's a big thing for D. Barty. <laughs> I can remember some of the characters' names. <laughs> now, so I know that you watched it probably with Brian. Yeah. Did, well, he's the one he... that started watching it, and I was like, ooh, what is this? And then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm secretly in love. Don't tell anybody. That's funny. Wait, <laughs> secretly in love with, with Jeremy Renner or Haley Stanfield? I think both. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> but so so you're watching it with Brian. And I know Brian's probably explaining, well, that's the swordsman. And he starts out as a villain. And he was originally Hawkeye's teacher in the carnival and yada, yada, yada. But did he have a complete come apart, a geekgasm when Kingpin showed up? Was no. he like, <gasps> no, he was laughing because he's like, hey, that's your guy from Law and Order. And I'm like, yeah. I had a complete come apart when. Not only was Kingman, Kingpin becoming part of the story, and I was just like, oh, they're going to go there. Oh, they're going to go there. And then it was Vincent D'Onofrio, and I was like, yes! I am a huge Daredevil and Elektra fan, and I really liked the Netflix uh, Daredevil adaptation. And, like, I mean, I was really disappointed that I didn't like, um... oh, what was the show where they all come together? Defenders? I don't know. It was so generic. Yeah. The whole thing was so generic. I can't even remember the name because it that was, was the Defenders. 
yeah, that's where they culminated Electra's story. And I'm like, oh, I feel like they did my girl dirty. So like, I I did. I completely came apart. I was freaking out. <laughs> so Debartee, did you watch Daredevil on Netflix? Which, by the way, it's no longer on Netflix. It's now, as of March 22nd, on Disney+. Plus. That's such a confusing branding move. No, the like, only Daredevil I've seen is the one with Ben Affleck. Oh my god! Oh no, my god! No, no. DBRT. Everybody, oh my god! That We've got to help you. It. We have I liked got. I was a kid, but now that I know anything about the comics, I'm just like, no, no, no. Well, see, like, I don't I know anything that. about it, so that's where I. That's oh, probably why I like it. And that's probably you, why I like a lot of things because I don't know anything about the comics. And so I just like watch the movies and I'm like, hey. Well, Marvel has done a really good job in since they took control of their properties. Um, they've done a really good job of staying true to the spirit of the source material, even though they have to adapt it to work for the screen you still get the feeling and the sense of the spirit and the loyalty to the spirit of the source material. And they do a really great, great job. You need to go watch that Daredevil series. Now, um, what? oh, Kelly says, thanks for mentioning that, Crayley. I love Justin. And um, uh, Drew says... One oh, one of the oh, he's an argument about not an argument, but a the killing joke. Yeah, they're having their own conversation about the killing joke in the comments. Um, but Drew says about Hawkeye, hated it and then loved it. Thanks for putting me onto it, Johnny. So I was I was undecided after the second episode because they aired both. The, the first two episodes together. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't, I'm not in love with this, but I'm going to keep watching it because I am a Marvel shell and I am an Avengers freakosaurus and it's what you do. And so as the series went on and as Kate Bishop stopped making so many stupid mistakes, I started to like her, and by the end, I was like, okay, she she is See, worthy I can to relate to that because I make a lot of stupid mistakes. <laughs> I knew I was going to love Kate Bishop, even though the first episode, her arrogance was a little annoying. Um, because I forget who said it. It might have been Kelly. Somebody told me that Kate Bishop was a lot like Courtney, like Stargirl Courtney. And so I knew I was going to love it because Stargirl is one of my absolute favorites. So like, and so personality wise, they don't have the exact same personality, but one of their traits that drives their heroism is they have a youthful lack of sensible fear. Like sometimes it's smart to be scared. And these two girls just like, like they're, they're fear stupid. Right. Well, so that's interesting because I've got to be honest, I've not read the Matt Fraction Hawkeye series. Um, the My introduction to Kate Bishop was through the Young Avengers and the Young Avengers series and West Coast Avengers. And 
in the Young Avengers, she is not that fear stupid character. She's very much a competent leader, and um, you know everyone looks to her to have the the to make the right decisions and to have the the right info. And oh, so, it been frustrating then to sit through while while she found her footing. Yes, yeah, it was very frustrating, but eventually that character in those what was it was it six or eight episodes six episodes through those six episodes she grew out of that and by the final episode she was the character that i was waiting for her to become and um i i ended up loving it um drew also says marvel is so good at making us like side characters and become personally invested that's yeah. so true. The I'm Mary Poppins, y'all guy from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Like at the beginning of that movie, you do not expect to have the feels about him by the end. Like Drew says he's proud of you, D. Me? For what? Uh, Thank you. I, I don't know. <laughs> Drew, why are you proud of D? Um and then he a- added, best part, when Kingpin started throwing them hands. <laughs> so he says of Kate Bishop that she is the Robin Dick Grayson of Marvel Comics. I, hmm, I, can, I can see that comparison. I don't know if I agree, though. I can see that comparison personality and skill wise, but as far as like placement, that was, that was really Bucky Barnes. Bucky Barnes was Marvel's answer to Dick Grayson. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Kingpin throwing them hands, I was actually a little disappointed by that. David and I were like, hold on in, in the Netflix show, like, he could rip a car door off of its hinges and get hit by like cars and stuff. But now it's like, boom, broken glass. And he's like falling over. And so I feel like he was watered down some in his physical strength. See, that's interesting because most fans thought he was amped up. And, and at first that was my feeling that he had been, cause he gets hit by a car and thrown through the, uh, the wall. And, um, you know, he just gets up and comes back for more. And I was feeling like he had been powered up a little bit. But then someone reminded me, no, 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 go back and watch the uh, the Daredevil series and see how he manhandles Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And and that was absolutely, yes, he got, he got shot in Daredevil, like three or four times and just kind of shrugged it off. Oh, look, there's a little bullet in my chest. But DBRT has no idea what we're talking about. She <laughs> Sorry, needs to watch dude. the Daredevil Netflix series. You oh, you might no, actually no. like it. I'm not going to be doing anything but watching TV for the next, like, week. <laughs> well, that's that's not a bad thing. Call it research. You know me, yeah. I can't still. <laughs> I now, can't sit still for this show. <laughs> Me now, either. Oh, right. Let me sit on this leg. Now let me before, sit on that. <laughs> before we went live, 
you made a comment about the clever ending where they didn't reveal her code name and you thought it was going to be no i got i told you i didn't want to talk about that on air because i felt stupid it makes sense why you thought that though like i don't know that much back lore like johnny does and as you were talking about it i was like oh is that where they're going with that until johnny reminded me how it actually goes don't feel stupid d so for the rest of the audience Debarty thought that Kate Bishop's code name was going to be Mockingbird. She did not realize that she was taking over the mantle and title of Hawkeye. She is the new Hawkeye. And so I I, I guess I can see where you thought that, but we did meet the MCU's Mockingbird because you thought that that was going to be her code name. And that's what the whole thing with the watch was about. A lot of fans didn't understand the whole thing with the watch, why it was important. And and even after she turned it over, Laura Barton turns over the watch and it has the shield emblem and the number 19. Even hardcore fans didn't realize what that was all about. Um, That watch revealed that she was Agent 19, and in the comic books, Agent 19 becomes Mockingbird, and Hawkeye and Mockingbird get married and form the West Coast Avengers. So that watch was all about protecting her identity to protect their kids, their family. And I think it actually even goes deeper, though, I have a feeling that the MCU version of Mockingbird is not just a person, but a title like Black Widow. And I think the Mockingbird program, this is my headcanon, was S.H.I.E.L.D.'s answer to the Black Widow Red Room program. And that Laura Barton is one of the Mockingbirds, along with Barbara Morse, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that probably that watch is more than just a watch. There's probably some kind of microchip in there that, you know, you plug it into the right source and you get the entire database of all of the mockingbirds all all over the country, wherever they are and where they're active and all of that fun stuff. That's me extrapolating that. But D, you you didn't catch you didn't get any of that from that simple little turn of the watch. Nope. I think it was that small detail though. Like I didn't get all of that. I was just like, oh, mockingbird, mockingbird, something familiar. And I knew they were gonna put stuff in there that I had no idea about because I mean I don't catch on to a lot of it because I don't read the comics and I don't I, I mean I, I like the Avengers movies, but they don't Stick. <laughs> Don't retain the information. <laughs> well, I'm an Avengers Freakosaurus. It's oxygen to me. So um, I mean, I retain a lot of information from like X-Men. Like we were watching that the other day, and my daughter was asking me a lot of questions, and I was like, bloop, bloop, bloop. and I was proud of myself. <laughs> now I'm really excited about this character from Hawkeye. This is Maya Lopez, yeah. Echo, 
Um, she will go on to become a member of the Avengers if they follow any comic book canon at all. And eventually she becomes the Phoenix. In comics currently, Maya Lopez Echo is the new Phoenix. And a pretty amazing character arc for her. Um, the next thing for her is she will become probably opening up the uh, Echo series that is coming out next year. She will probably take up the mantle of Ronin because that's what she did in the comics. She became the new Ronin and ended up joining the new Avengers and then was anyway, now she's the Phoenix. I'm excited about that. Crayley. Oh yeah. I'm excited about that too. Like I haven't, read the comics of that plot yet and I just keep not getting to it so if, if a TV show can give me like this this plot that I've been wanting to read forever maybe that will be the nudge I need to actually read those comics because I've been looking forward to it for a while <laughs> yeah awesome awesome so um oh this is funny so talking about Agent 19 and the watch um Andrew Milden says I was today <laughs> Today's years old when I knew that too. You're welcome. Um, and have you talked about Young Justice yet? You know what? We can don't I make, have time. Can, can I make a confession? <laughs> I've never, I've never watched Young Justice. Johnny. I know. Well, How when it was you? on originally, we didn't have Cartoon Network. We didn't have cable. And so I never got invested into it. And so when it came back, I wasn't all excited about it. It's on my list, along with Titans and Doom Patrol. But you know what? I'm I'm a Marvel shill first. So I'm going to see Moon Knight before I see Batman. Because I love Moon Knight that much. One of my all-time favorite characters. And I don't really care anything about Batman. So I'm exhausted <sighs> of Batman. Okay, I'm, look, all right, look. I'm just, I'm I sick of Batman. <laughs> Go ahead, what? D. Robert Pattinson is Batman. So y'all know I was a huge Twilight fan, right? Like, I actually I read I'm those sorry. Movies. Shut up. I read I'm not going to hold movies. that against you. I watched those Ooh, movies. <laughs> I did the thing. I'm scared. Well, the early reviews are really good. And look. I know, Zoe but Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz is playing Bat, uh, Catwoman. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want. I just want to see True. her. True. Yeah. Any oh, last thoughts about man. Hawkeye from either of you, D or Crayley? I <laughs> like the stuff. conversation um, between Hawkeye and Echo about um, how a hearing aid might actually be a handicap. Um, that's a conversation you see a lot in the deaf and hearing loss community. Mm-hmm. I'm on the most teeniest bit outside fringe of the deaf and hearing loss community because I got hearing loss when I was 17 and I have been lazy and I haven't learned ASL and I don't even have a hearing aid or anything, but I, I see a lot of stuff. And from what I can see, that was one of those, um, one of those conversations that hopefully anybody else who knows anybody who has like 
severe hearing loss or anyone who became deaf or was born deaf, like that's a whole big conversations about hearing aids are really important. So if that piqued your interest, go do some research. Like it's a really interesting topic. That is, that is a very interesting point. And the one thing I was disappointed in with the way they treated Maya Lopez um, in the comics, she hears the same way that Daredevil sees through vibrations in the air. And, and, you know, she can feel vibrations and, and whatnot. Um, and obviously she can read lips. But here's where they failed with her. Um, she, is, she has a superpower. And her superpower is photographic reflexes, like the Taskmaster. And if she sees something performed once, a fighting style, she can imitate it, mimic it, move for move. And they didn't go into either of those aspects of her in this series. I hope they do in in her solo series. I mean, I'm not surprised they didn't do the Taskmaster similarity one because they've just introduced people who aren't really big in the comics to Taskmaster. So maybe it would feel like the same thing. But the equivalent to Daredevil where she hears the way that he sees would have been really cool. Like... That is a little disappointing. Well, they're, they're going to get into that in her series because Daredevil will be a character in that series. Um, she's so closely linked to him in the comics. They they, they had to do that. So um, good stuff. Well, we c- I could talk about this stuff all night long. We've already been here an hour. And I promise, Crayley, before we leave, Crayley, you have an awesome project that we want to talk about. And do you just... Do you want to go through these photos or do you want me to click through them? I'll go through them. Okay. Because I didn't label them right for another person to click through. Okay. (laughs) All right. So tell us about Pokeballs. So one of my businesses is called Pokeballs by Crayley. That's what it's called on Facebook and Instagram. And I make products that look like this. And one of the reasons I was so excited to talk about it tonight, bugging Johnny about it, is I finally have something in inventory that I've never been able to keep in inventory. And that is, so this is the size of one of my standard Pokeballs. Here's here's little Squirtle, right? I finally was able to keep on hand for more than one day one of my giant Pokeballs. It's like the size of my head here. And with glare and video cams and stuff, it's hard to see the inside. So I have some photos uploaded. But I finally have a giant one. So if you want this giant Four Seasons Pikachu Pokeball that looks like this, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook at Pokeballs by Crayley. This was so much fun to make. My favorite of all of these is Summer, where Pikachu's angry that his his hot dog is off in the ocean. That started as a whole inside joke. So if you want to know what the inside joke is about the ocean stealing any Pokemon's hot dog, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. So, But here's the great thing. If people come to Memphis and Mid-South Con, you're going to have Pokeballs there. I am, yes. And everywhere that Back of the Cereal Box is conventioning and tabling this year, we will have Pokeballs with us. So you need to just come by just to get those. I mean, come by and see Debartee's beautiful face and hair. But, but you know, there's another reason. Come see, <laughs> c- 
come get some Pokeballs. Because we know you're not coming to see me. That's not true. You put the fishnets on for Johnny Quinn. People are swinging by to see you. You have nice legs, Johnny. This is true. Yep, yep. Um, Did they fail the city, Johnny? (laughs) Who? I, I know that's a reference to what? To, to Arrow, you have failed this city. See, I, I didn't watch Arrow either. I watched the first episode and I it just, it did not grab me. I, I just, and I never watched it. What, what, okay, what, wrap this up. I gotta go, man. I'm tired. All right. <laughs> So tell us one more time, Crayley, where they can get Pokeballs. Uh, so on Facebook or Instagram, Pokeballs by Crayley. Crayley, like my name, is spelled down there on the screen in my little face square. Um, you can message me there. Or if you message my personal account, uh, Crayley Vaness, I do sales through there, too. Um, I don't have a website or anything because I don't like paying hosting fees and stuff. I like to keep my... Uh, my cost of my product lower. And so, I mean, you just gotta, you'll have to talk to me to get my product. Oh no. Oh no. You have to talk to Crayley. <laughs> Facebook or Instagram pokeballs by Crayley. That's awesome. 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 Well, before we leave, I got to just say one last thing. If you like our show, we've had the uh, banner running down below. You can support us at buymeacoffee.com slash cerealboxpod. If you hate our shows, donate even more generously so that we can make improvements just for you. And that actually happened, didn't it, D? We had a fan, Dave Mattingly, provide the funding to get you a real deal microphone. <laughs> That's fantastic. And it's beautiful. It really is. And it sounds great when you get close to it. We've got to get you closer, though. But then you see, like, this is... I know, I know we... Nobody we wants to, to see that. Closer? We just need to get you a table closer to... Yeah. Hello. Or hold it. For an hour. Sure. Anyway, speaking of Dave Mattingly, we want to thank him. He's one of our supporters, along with Cindy Kep and Crystal Raven-Jones. You can become a supporter, too. Be a champion of the Back of the Cereal Box at buymeacoffee.com slash cerealboxpod. And if you're looking for one of the best gifts on the planet, check out Unidragon Puzzles, unidragon.com, promo code cerealboxpodcast to take 10% off. And ladies, I appreciate you guys being here so much and participating. And DBRT, I'm so proud of you that you watched not just one, but two recent popular superhero comic book TV shows. There's oh, hope for you Maker. yet. I'm like, what? What, what else did I watch? Peacemaker, duh. The, the ones we're doing this episode on. Yeah, was, go to bed, D. You're tired. So, <laughs> so with I have that, a confession, I would have never watched either one of them if my husband hadn't started it. 
but I did, and I, I fell in love with one of them, so. I mean, I wouldn't have seen any of the Clone Wars series if my husband hadn't gotten me into them. You know, sometimes oh my gosh. you need your loved ones to give you a push. Watching Mandalorian, this man is like, and I'm like, I'm lost. About the Clone Wars. don't even, like, I, I can focus on this, but all this other, like, mm -mm. I'm like, you need to talk to John. Because y'all are, I mean, mm -mm. We'll introduce my husband to your husband. It's good. yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna, we're gonna sign off here, but I'm gonna leave our viewers with one last uh, video for comic books for kids. But Crayley Debarty, thank you guys so much for being with us. All of you in the viewing audience, thank you. If you like the podcast, if you like our shows, share them with two, 300 of your closest friends and family. Ask them to come join the fun. And until the next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org.